Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia coming to you on a sort of a chilly morning in Houston. Unusually chilly, although it's December still. We are not used to the cold. Uh, uh, the joke is the Houstonians are never used to the cold. And together with me uh, uh, from Pune, uh, I don't know whether it's a cold or warm Pune. I'll leave the columnist to <laughs> describe that. Is uh, author joining me is author and columnist Tashish Chandorkar. Um, I am very pleased to add the. Um, author, you know, he's authored a book that's just come out called The Fadnavis Years. It's about uh, Devendra Fadnavis's four years in Maharashtra, Maharashtra politics, and you know the economics and the um, uh, the the, de- uh, the the sort of the progress that has happened in the state over the four years. So I would highly recommend it. We are going to have a, a separate a podcast just focusing on that because I really wanted to pick his brain about that. But welcome to my podcast, Ashish. Thank you, Adit, for having me once more. Yes. Uh, first time in the new avatar of the author, <laughs> and um, also from a very cold Pune, quite unusually cold uh, in Pune as well this year. Ha, just chalo. So, मतलब you can understand my grief. So, so guys, if if you think if you hear like uh, slurps in the between, that's just me and Ashish probably drinking tea or coffee <laughs> to to combat <laughs> the cold. I'm just giving a forewarning. So, um. A very eventful week, Ashish. Right? I mean, you know, the elections only came out. The election results only came out four or five days ago. Yet it seems, you know, quite a while. So the election results happened. The assembly elections result, and then the the Rafael uh, statement, um, uh, the verdict from the Supreme Court, and then the politics behind that, and then Congress choosing Kamal Nath, and then Congress not choosing Sachin Pilot, and all that has dominated the news. So should we start with the assembly results first, get that out of the way, and then we go on to Rafael? What do you want? What do you think? Okay, so you know, for a detailed number by number, Ashish and I, I really wanted to talk to Ashish about the politics and stuff because the post mortem of numbers and stuff is being done, and we we did a detailed analysis on the numbers uh, on the uh, uh, the podcast I, that I recorded earlier, uh, just talking about the numbers of the elections. But I wanted to talk to Ashish about what this means in the national picture, and then what is the greater you know sort of thing for it. So let's start. Let's start state by state, right? Let's talk about Madhya Pradesh because that is the biggest shocker for. Uh, a lot of people who are inclined towards the bjp because a lot of people thought that somehow even if they lose everything shivraj might be able to retain madhya pradesh but congress did emerge as a single largest party getting two shots two seats short of a majority but they are going to get the support of the bsp and the sp so kamal nath is set to be the new cm of madhya pradesh i believe tomorrow that's where he was so what do you think about this result ashish i know it was very close i mean bjp got more a percentage of votes than congress and the difference is only 5 seats so how did you read this result right so uh, yes of course it was a shock uh, bjp was expected to win uh, through the campaign the folks who were involved in the campaign and the pollsters who were working for the party pretty much all of them were confirming that uh, the party expects to win although it will be a close election so the, the general comment was that The range would be 120, 125. It hadn't changed uh, in the last three months. Like people were saying the same number in September, they were saying the same number in December. So I think everyone understood it was going to be a close election, mm. but um, clearly they were off by 10, 12 seats. Mm. Um, the, the the reason um, I would say there are two key reasons uh, for how it shaped up. So one was. Uh, BJP made uh, BJP had heavy losses in the tribal belt. So mm. if you look at MP, MP is about 22 percent uh, scheduled tribes mm. population wise, mm. right? Mm. And there are big uh, tribal uh, communities in both the corners. 
the area which adjoins Gujarat and Maharashtra mm. on the west and in south. Correct. And then the area which adjoins Chhattisgarh on the east. Mm. There are big tribal pockets on both sides. Mm. And uh, BJP had heavy losses in that region mm. um, in, 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 in both the in, in both the areas. Mm. Um, in fact, if I do a little bit of a uh, division of seats. Mm. If you look at the seats which are uh, general category seats, BJP had more seats than Congress. I think five or six more seats more. Mm. If you look at the seats reserved for the scheduled castes, scheduled castes also form a big uh, number in Mara in, in, in MP, it's about 15% of the population. Mm. Uh, even that, uh, in that category, BJP had I think one one seat more than uh, the Congress. Mm. But in the scheduled tribe seat, Congress mm. had a big lead. Mm. and. That's where the, um, the, the, the problem happened for the party, for, for the BJP. Mm. The second thing was that it unexpectedly lost a lot of urban seats. Right. Uh, MP is much less urban than, let's say, Gujarat. Mm. But for whatever it is worth, the five large cities, if you look at uh, Indore, Bhopal, Jabalpur, Gwalior, and Ujjain, which are the four, five larger cities mm. in, the, in the state, the party lost out uh, in each of the, uh, in, in Indore, and Bhopal, and Jabalpur, and in Ujjain, and it almost completely got wiped out in Gwalior. So and, and, uh, and just to add something, uh, where, just, just to uh, add BGP something to what you were saying, and combining the two things together, in fact, had it just held on to its urban bastion, yeah, uh, despite the tribal losses, it would have still won the uh, state fairly easily. No, so so uh, let me let me add something urban, to that. Uh, yeah, let me add something to what you were saying, Ashish. Um, except for Gwalior, and even in Gwalior, this MP is the BJP MP. Guna has Jyotiraditya Sindhya as the MP. All of that, of course, has sitting BJP MPs, and BJP had heavily won in these seats before. So somebody very jokingly told me on Twitter, and actually that's a they made a very good point that had these five cities voted like how Ahmedabad and Surat did in Gujarat, then BJP would have won Madhya Pradesh just like they did Gujarat. And yes, I mean, you know, it's a personal loss for me to say that Surat is now the Sangeet city in India and not in the <laughs> 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 uh, uh, so, so Surat uh, gave pretty much all the seats to BJP, uh -huh. uh, but the party couldn't replicate that in Indore and uh, in, in Bhopal. So, uh, Indore, in if you look at the district as a whole, it voted 5-4 for mm -hmm. the BJP. Uh, BJP lost three seats. Uh, Bhopal voted 4-4. Uh, four, four. So uh, for the Bhopal Lok Sabha seat, it voted at four, at as four four. Yeah. BJP lost two key seats uh, in the city itself: uh, Bhopal uh, Center Central and Bhopal Southwest. And in Indore, Sumitra uh, Tai is very popular as an MP. So that is a little shocking. So I think in Indore, the role of Tai is kind of reducing. It's been on a decline, and with now that she is a Lok Sabha speaker, clearly she hasn't been able to spend much time in the constituency, right? Because of course, there are yeah. other engagements and so but on. She's so popular, I think, very in fact, popular. She was very So that that again 
Um, I think the biggest shock was in Bhopal, where it lost two seats in the city. Yeah. Uh, both the seats uh, it haven't lost uh, in that region uh, like and, ever. And uh, I want to point. I, I want to point this out to our listeners. You know, you might be thinking that oh, why is why are both of them talking about one and two seats? Now the difference between BJP and Congress was five seats. And this, if if there was a swing of three seats away from the Congress, that would mean three more for the BJP, and BJP would have been the single largest party. I mean, three seats. That all it it would have taken to flip the scales. So um, it's 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 it was a it was a you know those um, it was a battle of margins. It was that um, thing. And but the simple uh, l- l- let's talk about a little bit about the national picture, right, Ashish? Um, so um, this has happened, but BJP has more or less kept its base intact. Yes, I think that that's the, that's the positive it can take from the election results, right. both in MP and in Rajasthan. I am coming to Rajasthan in a bit. Uh, let's just focus on MP and then we'll talk about Rajasthan and Chhattisgarh. Sure, sure. So I think even in MP, uh, it obviously got more votes than the Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, more fifty, sixty thousand more votes. Um, the the forty one percent odd mark. Um, yeah, the forty one percent is the key. Yeah. Hmm. So so what the thing is, and if I want to wrap up this uh, discussion on MP and we, before we move on to Rajasthan and Chhattisgarh, that Prime Minister Modi will have his incremental vote of four five percent that he carries with him in the national election. But the the thing is now they have a um, interesting situation where there is a, a very political Chief Minister in Madhya Pradesh, Kamal Nath, who has won a seat consecutive times and knows how to do thickadam around. So that's going to be another challenge as well. But one thing I want to talk to you about that, you know, I was reading or listening to some news broadcast, man, the way they talk about Kamal Nath, it's like he is some uh, great Congress leader that has just ascended on Madhya Pradesh and stuff. His role in emergency 84 has completely been forgotten and omitted. Oh, that, that's been whitewashed long back, right? If you, if you see, he has been in the minister. He, he was in the UPA ministry as well. Huh, he was a um, parliamentary so, affairs minister, yeah. Yeah, he has always got a free pass for those times. There's, there's no doubt about that. In fact, he's probably the only active Congress leader who would um, worship Sanjay Gandhi in the same mold like they worship Tadar Gandhi, right? Yeah. So he, he has a picture of Sanjay Gandhi in his office, etc. Oh. And he mentions him very uh, actively in his tweets or in his discussions, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, he, he's not hiding the association. It's just that the, the media has completely whitewashed that part of the history, which is just another thing which they have whitewashed in, in the long list of things. Mm, very interesting. So, and, and so so it's going to be a challenge uh, uh, for Narendra Modi. Right now also a lot of people were saying if these results were to hold, BJP would have like a 17-12 or a 16-13 sort of 17-12. Yeah. Huh, 17 12 uh, but i think that would be a more because when it's uh, you're voting for narendra modi versus rahul gandhi like i for one thing definitely in bhopal indore and gwalior you are going to see bjp mps winning those seats right i don't think you are going to have congress there's, there's, there's one good news other uh, well from the vindhyachal uh, side right so mm-hmm. bjp actually held on to some very difficult seats this time so in, in satna in cd mm-hmm. in some of the districts which are not i mean they, bjp has won them before but not won them very comprehensively. Mm. Uh, Satna BJP stepped all the assembly seats in, in the in the, in the Lok Sabha area. So there are some gains as well, which mm. also points to the fact that maybe it has added some of those extra voters, which we all keep talking about, right, mm. to, the, to the central schemes, etc. Mm. So I think it's not all negative, but yeah, it will need some very huh, but, uh, but hard to, work to in also about six or seven but to, but when, to, uh, when it comes to the uh, April poll. Right, and but to also just say that they, oh, they lost to arithmetic is also wrong because there has been some erosion of the plus vote and that they need to get back if they want to get anywhere close to 280 in the Lok Sabha. Yes, absolutely. 
yeah so coming then from rajasthan we're going quickly to chatis uh, sorry from madhya pradesh to rajasthan and chatisgarh and sorry guys if you find ashish and i being a little over indulgent both of us love our numbers and our elections as is probably evidenced from our timelines so <laughs> pardon us for that um let's go to rajasthan and chatisgarh rajasthan was a little bit of a surprise right uh, if chatisgarh was a shock for the bjp rajasthan was a surprise because we a lot of people were not expecting more than 50 60 seats but a lot of people you i we were all talking that it's going to be a lot closer than what it seems right see uh, i have always said that basunal rajiv was a very effective chief minister at a policy level right i have been writing about her work since 2015 16 i actually uh, wanted to talk about that piece you wrote before the elections that i think she was probably the only proper center of right minister in bjp right now absolutely absolutely and nothing her government would be probably the most right wing government quote unquote on on economic policy mm. i mean as much as we can get it in india right <laughs> exactly on uh, economic uh, right wing uh, stance mm. so uh, clearly i mean she was she did a bit on the policy side my my sense is that bjp never thought they would win rajasthan and essentially they gave up much before the battle started mm. i think it was completely a failure of um, Uh, uh, strategizing the, uh, the, the, the the election, what they did in November, they should have done that early on. Of course, I mean they were helped helped by the poor candidate selection by Congress as well. But at the same time, the intensity of campaign was very very poor through uh, September October, which wasn't the case in MP and in Chhattisgarh. Mm. So I think that uh, this uh, Rajasthan, I think the party has no one else to blame. I mean it, it was a case of about ten seats of swing. There was a time in counting when BJP was about eighty five, Congress mm. was about ninety five. Mm. Right, so uh, BJP then lost a lot of those seats to uh, BSP or independents, etc. But clearly, uh, the party did not do enough, and it has no one else to blame. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, absolutely, and 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 that's that's the most um, that's the most um, uh, fascinating, I think, um, part. Um, fascinating in a way that maybe had they given that extra push, this was almost like a two thousand eight redux. Yes, I mean uh, clearly there's some issue with the party setup and Vasundhara. There's a clash of personalities. So that, uh, in fact, uh, strangely this time, uh, one factor which in 2008 loss was that uh, Kirodi Malmina had switched over. I mean he had contested indep- independently in that election, right? Hmm. Uh, he came back to the party fold. Did, hmm. did not this time add any uh, new voters, which was a bit of a surprise and a shock hmm. because he came back and uh, he was uh, offered a Rajya Sabha seat when he joined the party back. Hmm. So. Uh, that factor did not work too much, but it, it was exactly otherwise from a campaign standpoint and from a planning standpoint, it was exactly like 2008. Mm. Party thought it's going to lose. Basundhara mm. uh, was demonized as being too arrogant, not mm. available, all of that, uh, and basically it followed from there. And then uh, the the party fell short by about say 15 seats. Mm, 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 mm. And. And f- and that's all it takes. I mean, Rajasthan truly is a battle of the margins. <laughs> so. Um, Absolutely. Uh, fascinating, fascinating. So let's talk about Chhattisgarh now, right? Chhattisgarh was, I think, the biggest shock for all pe- people inclined towards the BJP, um, because uh, because Chhattisgarh, no one was expecting such a whitewash. I mean, this was like sixty to sixteen. I mean, it was ridiculous the the way the Congress won. And um, there was a time when even Raman Singh was trailing. Eventually, won his seat, Rajanandagao, by ten thousand votes. Um, people are blaming on a variety of factors. But Ashish, what do you think? I mean, you ten percent vote difference. You can't just blame it on one factors. There has to be a multiple. There has. This is truly. This was truly a wave sort of assembly election. Absolutely, I think. Uh... 
Chhattisgarh clearly was an anti-incumbency uh, vote. Uh, the the government was. See, I mean, it's, it's not a secret as such, right? But the government, a lot of people have complained about corruption, the bureaucracy, and uh, at lower levels in the government, right? In Chhattisgarh, so some of that was always known uh, through media, etc. Mm. So maybe the people just wanted to change. But the surprising part is none of the exit polls picked it up in any great way, right? Yeah. Except You and I were joking that uh, the uh, Rahul Gandhi wave has uh, been only captured in Mizoram. <laughs> the Lal Thanwala has ridden on the Rahul Gandhi wave and swept Mizoram. So those were the days, if if I may use that term. Now there was five years ago. So, so in any ways, I I always accuse us Indians of getting nostalgic too much. Of um, so I was like, we need to keep thinking ahead. <laughs> Nostalgia is not going to get us anywhere. <laughs> so. So, anyways, that's Mizoram. But Telangana, I mean, unbelievable what KCR has done there. He, he has pretty much wiped out uh, any opposition there. Yes, um, uh, so, you know, there's a very interesting uh, quote by Richard Sharma in his book, uh, in, in one of his books, mm-hmm. where he says that uh, a lot of political parties reap what he calls freedom dividend. Okay, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that parties which help you get help a nation get freedom. Mm-hmm. They, they are voted in for many years, despite mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. lacune. Mm-hmm. And he cites examples of Congress in India and ANC in South Africa. So, of course, I mean, Telangana was not a freedom struggle, but it was a, a movement for creating a separate state. Mm-hmm. So, it seems that TRS has that factor going for them, the, mm-hmm. the, the local attachment in terms of the work they did for uh, the state formation. Mm-hmm. That, that still kind of resonates with the people there. It, that, that, that's, that's how it looks like. Mm-hmm. And clearly, uh, KCR... I mean, the media ran a really vicious campaign against KCR. I don't know if you were reading some of the... Uh, I was. Uh, so, our, our, I, I was in my friend, good friend Sudhir Kumar. As Sudhir Kumar, who's the columnist for Mindmakers, he was consistently tracking the Telangana elections. And he kept saying that this is going to be a wave in spite of what the media is saying. Because Exactly. And, you know, people, they, there were articles like, KCR is going to lose in Gajwell. And, you know, like, huh? uh, the, 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 the level 
propaganda against him was enormous and uh, clearly again it was either case of no so the joke was case of people taking a very targeted pot shot at him but seems like he's he's quite popular and i also feel that the marginal voters all voted for trs like the folks who have otherwise voted for bjp in the national election or even for you know local independence or the smaller outfits No, which is which is honestly which is honestly a bit of a shame for the BJP because uh, and and uh, again I'm going to quote Sudhir Kumar. Sudhir has written a fantastic piece on why the BJP lost Telangana or got wiped out because they still had eight percent. Yeah, they had eight percent of the vote. Yet you only get one seat. From uh, when you are in the government, you would expect that for if you have an eight to ten percent of the vote for a national party, you can at least build up two three percent or maybe even four percent and get to like two or three. I mean, heck, they're building up better vote base in Bengal and Orissa. Where the cadres are live in mortal fear. Yeah. So I think uh, what has happened is BJP has kept the AP and Telangana question uh, on the back burner for far too long. I mean, of course, AP was because of the alliance which they had with uh, Chandra Babu Naidu. So in in both the states, uh, clearly they, they may not be the friendliest of territory, but mm. of the states where BJP doesn't exist, probably these two should be the more more friendly ones. I mean, the most so, fertile ground, I would think. They kept the expansion for far too long, and I think. Just before the election, you can't make that much of a. Uh, no, I think also the insecurity that if we lose allies in the center, uh, KCR with his ten seats can support us. So let's go soft on him. But that doesn't yeah, work, I mean, right? That, that, to that, be fair, of all the parties that can support BJP, KCR will rank number one, right? The, no, I know, uh, but but you know how that strategy backfired during Atal Ji's time, right? That's oh, that's absolutely, absolutely. And uh, but but uh, outside of the folks who are already in, in NDA, hmm. I, I agree, but but, but you you I mean you know if you remember ninety eight BJP had twenty percent of the votes in United Andhra just on its own and then they let go some to have TDP and then they went from twenty to eight percent straight down so that's the sad reality. But I want to wrap up say with a very funny quote and then we'll go to Rafael and stuff in the next part. You know so, someone posted on Twitter that uh, a clip of Chandra Babu Naidu saying I have a hand in BJP loss in the three states. So somebody quoted saying I don't know about the three states but you definitely. Have a hand in the Congress loss in Telangana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was being modest. He didn't claim the credit for his biggest uh, <laughs> biggest uh, achievement in the last two years. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so th- that wraps up the first part. The second part is going to be Rafael in the current political news. So, stay tuned, guys. Okay, so uh, uh, thank you for staying on with us, guys. Uh, that was a great discussion with Ashish for the elections. Uh, that's what I wanted to, you know, uh, talk about the national picture and stuff with him. But um, you know, when we talked about bad news for the BJP, there was sort of a good news for the BJP as well. And in in and, and sort of, I wouldn't say good news as in like something happened. But the Supreme Court actually gave a very unequivocal statement uh, on the Rafael verdict. Um, uh, it was clearly said that uh, you know. Know, that there was no scam or they didn't see any issues with it uh, the uh, and um, there was some controversy over this pac jp uh, pac uh, um, uh, sort of thing which i'm going to talk to ashish about but basically this just made sure that the charges that were uh, filed by prashant bhushan leveled by prashant bhushan arun shori yashwant sinha and then the congress piggybacking on them they all fell flat of course they were not giving up and it's a bit of a tragedy what yashwant sinha and arun shori have reduced themselves to uh, so ashish what are your initial thoughts about this yeah so politically it was a great uh, news flow because yeah. there was a lot of despondency uh, in the bjp circles and then uh, this this verdict came in yeah. so in fact uh, on the whatsapp groups the general sentiment was that uh, 
the most likely outcome could be the for, for the court to order a some kind of a probe etc mm. but uh, so it was a bit of a positive surprise definitely mm. uh, for for the party supporters mm. and uh, uh, in in principle uh, the court seems to have addressed all the points which have been raised through the election campaign mm. regarding pricing the procurement process offsets clause so pretty much it's almost like a point by point rebuttal but instead of government doing it it was the supreme court judgment uh, which which covered all these areas so uh good good uh, shot on the arm for the party for the for the bjp hmm, very nice very true um um and the reason i used the term very nice was because this was i i was getting it was nauseating to uh, you know people repeat this again and again in spite of it being completely rebutted by a lot of columnists abhijit ayer mitra uh, has been uh, talking about it lobbying lot of people we have had mohal joshi shwetang bhushan they've all written pieces for mind makers about it and completely rebuffed it i think mohal wrote a 4000 word piece completely rebutting it um i i don't understand do did they think that this would be uh, modi's bofers if there was no i mean in spite of there being no conclusive evidence but the irony of that term called modi's bofers is that that's like admitting that bofers was a scam right <laughs> exactly that's what <laughs> i was coming to <laughs> so uh, the funny part is that the term was actually used by national herald yeah. which is which is not piece of the congress party mm-hmm. right uh, but that aside that that, that irony aside yes uh, the, the general sentiment is that the uh, the congress was attempting to uh, uh, to to stick something to modi mm. as long as they could prove that well his government is also no different from what our government was we mm. were corrupt and he's also corrupt right mm. that, that's the mm. kind of equivalence which congress was trying to draw because then from that position you could uh, target modi on various governance aspects mm. saying that well you know there's no difference between us but then we care more for the people so that would have been the Whole plan for the Congress. Hmm. Uh, it obviously backfired big time, uh, and uh, given that court actually clarified uh, almost all the issues which Congress has raised, uh, it, I, I don't think it should be uh, a point of contention any for going for going forward. Hmm. Absolutely, and and I, I I I and I find that quite interesting, honestly. Uh, that um, that people even thought that this would be a point of contention. Um, but but let's talk about this whole. you know thing that happened with the ex president of france and then you have or the ex prime minister and then you have because olande made a statement and then you had interviews with the dassault ceo and stuff and it was quite frankly embarrassing because the bottom line is india does need this and the experts have weighed in the defense personnel has weighed in yet people don't seem to understand uh, i mean i don't say people yet these people like mr shauri mr sinha and all they don't seem to understand that or maybe this is the last thing and they're just clutching at straws i i, I honestly don't know what's the truth here uh, from i mean france will have its own political dimensions right Correct. so the leaders they will also no but to base your argument in india based on what france's president has made like one statement that is crazy right completely yeah absolutely and um, clearly this was a case of personal vendetta uh, for 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 all the petitioners mm. out about that mm. Mm. Uh, the arguments were anyway not very uh, not not very sound to start off correct and um, the fact like the fact that there were actually 72 different offset partners potentially some of them have been signed others have been under discussion mm. so that simple fact was being missed and i think the biggest the, the biggest blooper in the argument was that the things are not being made in india right the offsets i mean the offsets are not about making a plane mm. they are about doing other things for the so mm, mm. the 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 planes are all, all going to arrive in india in flyaway conditions that was that was the term of the contract right mm. no one actually so this argument that xyz company did not have the experience of making a plane 
while Leche held it. Well, I mean, very good, but that's irrelevant because this was not about making the planes in India. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no complaints making the planes. The planes will are going to just fly in from uh, from France. You know, the, the, so, starting from there, I think there was a big chain of arguments which were basically just uh, just just wouldn't hold up to scrutiny. Ah, so it was from the ridiculous to the bizarre. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know how it could go any uh, down further, but the, you know that was that was the thing. So, uh, but but to, but to wrap up this part of it, um, what is the way forward? Do you, I, Rahul Gandhi seemed to indicate that he's not going to leave, let this go. Uh, this is not resonating with a lot of people. I I can tell you that because I can just I, when I talk to people, right? They're like, "Kya hai? Kitna kitna khinch karenge?" And because um, uh, see, the thing is, the experts and the courts and stuff have taken a very different tune from what the opposition has. So this has not struck a chord with the people when you talk to them. So do you think they'll stop before the election, or are they just going to start keep talking about it, hoping that something sticks? <laughs> On a lighter note, no, no. On a lighter note, I want to, uh, and I'll let you complete in a second. I, I want to quote the great uh, philosopher that Congress uh, has as a spokesperson, Shri Manish Tiwari, and quote his famous term, holistic. Maybe Congress needs to take a holistic approach <laughs> rather than. <a> <laughs> See, actually, this is the fact. Other than that, uh, if you look at Congress, Congress social media, Congress communication. See, they actually have improved significantly in the last few months. Okay, yeah. uh, oh. if you if you track them closely. the quality of graphics which they are making the quality of messaging especially in regional languages so so there is some improvement uh, from from where they were i mean these were the strengths of the bjp in the yeah. last election and congress is catching up so there's no doubt about that yeah. but but my sense is that behind that good production machinery the think tanks still believe that they can take the electorate for a ride using simple allegations or simple terms yeah. so uh, i actually don't think this like from from a, from a congress messaging fascinating yeah i think so uh, and and they're not going to give up uh, but <laughs> but what happens i mean if this sticks or not i mean that remains to be seen we're four months away from the general elections so it's going to be it's going to be quite a ride and uh, you know keep tuning into mind makers keep fo- uh, keep following ashish on social media and his columns the wonderful columns that he writes for swarajya um, on that uh, before we wrap up uh, a couple of quick things that i wanted to discuss was um, you know and this was quite funny um, i don't know if you uh, were looking uh, at news this morning i mean i know you 
people like you and I look at news 24-7. <laughs> but Rahul Gandhi was unveiling some statue. It was some statue unveiling of Karananiti. And he said in Chennai that while... And I'm quoting a tweet from ANI News. So if, if anything is wrong, blame ANI, not me. While Karananiti ji defended institutions of this country to, um, and then he bashed the government and stuff. Uh, and we're all going to defeat the BJP and stuff. So I paused for a second and I was like... Karunanidhi defended institutions of the country. I mean, I, I don't know what he has to say about a guy called A. Raja and Telecom Regulatory Authority of India. I mean, I don't know. I found this very funny. So, uh, uh, do you think this lionization is only because Congress is desperate for a DMK alliance? Look, clearly, and I mean, DMK did endorse him as the PM candidate. If you read the ANIF today, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Stalin of India has. What I would have said. He's the first endorsement. No, if I was National Herald, if I was in National Herald, I would have uh, used the headline, the Stalin of India endorses Rahul Gandhi SPM. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, maybe Mrilal Pandey needs to listen to my podcast, but <laughs> um, I, I, I think she's the editor of National Herald. So, uh, but but uh, Chandra Babu Naidu was also there. But you think uh, um, if the Congress and DMK ally, it leaves no choice for the ADMK but to go towards the BJP? Or do you think it will go alone? I think it will go alone. The, the sentiment in Tamil Nadu is uh, fairly anti-BJP. Mm. Uh, all the parties, even if they are sympathetic to the BJP cause nationally, mm. uh, I don't think any party will take the risk of being seen uh, hand in glove with the BJP for the Lok Sabha election. Mm. And uh, unlike last time, Unlike in the, in, the, in the previous times where one party wins all 40 seats, Tamil Nadu 39 plus one Pondicherry, um, I, I mean the general sense is that ADMK should still be able to win uh, a handful of seats this time. So it may not be like a 40-0 election, it might be more like a 25-15 or 30-10 type of an election. Personally, I think... So, uh, I, think, I don't think any party will lose hope uh, in, uh, in terms of uh, the, 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 their own tally and uh, hence they will not ally with the BJP. They can support later on if needed. They have actually been quite friendly uh, even in this term uh, when it comes to Rajya Sabha voting. So I think that will continue and that they will not really ally with the BJP. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, my, my colleague right now is in uh, Andhra Pradesh. He should give me the, when he comes back, Pramod is there. So he'll tell me uh, what's going on in Andhra. And then I'm going to, uh, our sources from Tamil Nadu will also tell me. So Chandrababu and uh, Karunanidhi, DMK, where they are, uh, we'll find out. But the most interesting part, I think, is, and it may happen where ADMK doesn't have a proper alliance with BJP, but then it might leave out the seats of, say, Kanyakumari, Koemtur, um, Koemtur, and things like that, like four, three, four Lok Sabhas where BJP has a little bit of vote percentage. Kanyakumari BJP has a sitting MP just for a either a weak nominee or not have any nominee so BJP can perform better. So I think that might be a tacit understanding sort of. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, that might be possible, but I don't think a formal alliance will happen. Could be, could be, yeah. So, um, before uh, before uh, we wrap up, Ashish, a brief discussion or if you can tell our listeners about your book and we'll have a separate podcast about the Fadavis years. Um, we've, I've started reading it. It's a fascinating book. And uh, a book a book like this you, hasn't come much like often in India, you know, about uh, talking about regimes, about their, you know, politics, about their schemes, economics, everything. And I know you love, I mean, you write fantastic pieces on the economy and stuff. So please tell a little uh, listeners a little bit about your book. Yeah. So I wrote this book uh, over the last year and this year. Mm. The intention 
mentioned was that uh, we, we don't have a lot of chronicling of contemporary history, right? And when I say contemporary, I mean this is, of course, almost real time because uh, the, the, the fundamentalist term is still going on. But in general, our knowledge of our politics and our policies hmm. and what's happening in the uh, national sphere in, in, in hmm. near terms is not very good because, hmm. uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's probably improved since Twitter came in, but uh, I think there's a good 50-year hole there in terms hmm. of not understanding hmm. what how, how things uh, move in the country, right? Hmm. So I thought I can fill that gap at least from a Maharashtra standpoint. Mm. The book actually is not a biography. A lot of people have asked me that question, but it's not a biography of mm. uh, Devendra Fadnavis. The book is actually about Maharashtra politics, mm. what drives the politics in, in the state, the factors which different, or the levers which different party uh, parties employ for their own uh, survival and growth, and then how that has changed in, in the four, four years of Fadnavis. Mm. How he has really changed the political lexicon and how he's helped BJP grow and cement, uh, cement into a strong position. Hmm, absolutely absolutely so and 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 thank you for writing i mean if you look about how um, us has so many contemporary books and stuff coming out um it's it, like real time about the trump administration and about state administrations and various things like that it's only it's only uh, important that such books in indian context also come out yes sir, that was my intention i think i hope uh, we have actually had some political books in the last four years mm. uh, after like but but they've been largely about elections mm. right so like mm. how, how someone won election in a given part mm. so uh, but it, it's good uh, it, it's good to know what's going on in those part, parts of the state uh, those part of the country and, and learning about new states Absolutely. but that, that's also my intention that people get to know more about uh, Maharashtra politics and also why it's a difficult state for BJP despite which they've done well in the last four years absolutely absolutely and before we get to our recommendations um, as y'all, some of you all might have seen, um, our co-founder Sunanda has uh, is, is is taken a back seat to focus on our writing and stuff. And you know, we wish her all the best. As I always joke, you know, there is always a seat on the podcast. Open the podcast will continue. The website's going to run strong. Uh, for uh, you know, we have four months to the general election. We are going to be talking about politics and all that more. So good luck to Sunanda. Please stay tuned for more podcasts and stuff. Uh, this is not the only time you're going to hear Ashish on Mind Podcast in the next four months. Ashish, it's election times. We need to get you on more often. So I hope you won't mind it either. <laughs> sure, no, no issues at all. Uh, I, I, see, you, you and I are number guys and then we can have uh, Pramod be the sanguine one to calm us down. That <laughs> It's not all about numbers. So... Uh, you know, before we end, we as is the tradition, we'll uh, go on recommendations. My first recommendation before I even go to Ashish is of course going to be buy Ashish's book. Please read it. Um, and and if 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 that if this bit doesn't convince you, I'm sure our detailed discussion on it, which will come sometime in January or February, will convince you to buy it. What is your recommendation this week, Ashish? Um, you know, honestly, uh, I have really not read a lot in the last... Uh, Doesn't have to be a book, uh, something you've watched. Reading my own, you know, proofreading my own book <laughs> multiple times over. But uh, I would recommend uh, my friend Rahul Bajoria's book on the RBI. Huh. There's so much happening uh, in RBI. Oh, let's it's talk a, Let's talk a little bit about the RBI. Uh, I may not be getting it right, but I think it's called the History of the RBI. Huh. And uh, the... Uh, it's available on Amazon and you can search for Rahul Bajoria who's the author yeah. and uh, he, he talks about a fairly uh, dispassionate view of how the bank has evolved in the last uh, almost uh, like seven eight decades how, how the, the, the role of RBI there's nothing about 
uh, what it should or should not be doing. It's just facts. It's just plain facts. I think it's a it's a fascinating book, especially in the context of what's currently going on. Hmm. No, absolutely. Oh, by the way, um, that that reminds me. Before we wrap up quickly, I mean, what did you make about this whole um, craziness about the RBI governor? I mean, people who thought Urijit Patel, they kept shouting that Urijit Patel was Modi's man, Modi's man, and now Urijit Patel is this subtle defender of institutions. Well, I mean, good for Urijit Patel. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a very interesting uh, quote which so when when he was appointed the governor right so mm. there was there was, a, there was a headline in one of the newspapers which said that markets are spooked by Patel's uh, appointment mm. now when he quit uh, when he resigned there was a headline the next day which said markets are spooked by Urjit's resignation <laughs> so looks like he has got great powers to spook the markets uh, actually he did not he did not spook it on the other side because the markets actually went up after his resignation yeah. but. Uh, uh, I guess it's it's a question of uh, whether the institution how 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 independent should the institution be right whether it's about uh, clearly it cannot be over the uh, more more independent than the sovereign itself mm. so that's pretty much a given but at what point does the operational independence stop mm. uh, uh, in terms of uh, factors which impact the policy I think that's that's a grey area the mm. the debate will not end. Uh, obviously do it. Yeah. But and then, GDP, but Congress, this would have been a and, very different debate. And the irony is so, after Shakti Kanta Das's appointment, uh, it's some BJP supporters and some Congress supporters both were angry. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same even on, on the exit. There were some BJP supporters who were actually angry because they thought, especially the ones who work in the, uh, in, 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 in the markets, they told me on the, on on Sunday night that it's going to be a or Monday night, right? Monday night, Monday evening resign. Yeah. So a lot of folks told me that it's going to be a crazy day. Modi has done a very bad thing. The whole market will collapse. All of that. There were there were messages on Twitter also. People were saying that mm. there will be twenty percent hit to the market, but the target actually went up the next day despite <laughs> BJP losing the elections, right? So maybe it's Rahul Gandhi or for all you know, finally he is the one who's driving the market. Um, um, matlab, uh, th- that day, that day is is going to be, that day is actually going to be spooky. <laughs> I, I'm surprised no one claimed it. I mean, you know, the no, 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 Mil- Mil- no, no, Milin Devra like, said uh, Milin Devra points uh, since BJP lost and Urjit Patel went away. But, but no one has really claimed the credit for no, it. No, no, no. Devra said something like that. Milin Devra on Rajdeep show said that the markets went 200 points up. So I'm very happy. Maybe people rewarded. People were very happy that Congress came in three states. He actually said that. <laughs> so do do not under do not underestimate the craziness of our own political class, Ashish. Absolutely. <laughs> Not about that. Yeah. Who who knows what might happen in the next four years? Um, uh, uh, Manishankar Iyer might be appointed as the Congress spokesperson. For all you may know. So, <laughs> but <laughs> but but to end with, my recommendation is going to be a movie that I watched yesterday called Creed Two. It's based, set in the Rocky franchise, and if you like movies of boxing like I do, and if you're a fan of Sylvester Stallone, I would recommend watching it. It's a lot of fun. It's a complete popcorn flick. And in these serious times when we are wondering about numbers and policies and stuff. Take, take give yourself a couple of hours and just enjoy <laughs> so that's that's my thing i thank you ashish for joining us this has been a great discussion we'll have you back again on your book and again on some election stuff but good luck on the book and you know from what i've read the reviews have been fascinating i've started reading it and i'm going to tell you more about it um, as we talk thank you so much for joining us ashish Thank you, that's my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So for all our listeners, but we'll back. We'll be back in 2019 with more. Uh, Pramod will be back with more insights and stuff. So stay tuned and keep uh, tweeting, keep writing to us, keep following us on Twitter, and keep liking us on Facebook. Thank you so much.